Before we dive into this episode, I want you to think about what it would feel like to have your dream clients begging to work with you. Your DMs are flooding with inquiries, emails are pouring in, and your past clients are sending over all of their friends to work with you. Trust me, babe, you've been putting in the work, investing in your education, and reaching new levels in your self-development and skills. I see you. But do your dream clients actually see you online? I have a handful of intuitive content coaching calls available and would love the opportunity to help you shine online. Check out kianamarie.com slash connect to learn more. Together, we work closely to generate a ton of content for your business, not just trends, but genuine content that feels true to you and your business. From my kitchen table to yours, we come up with a content plan flooded with behind the scenes clips, client experience, and upcoming events. You are a big deal, my love. We just need more people to know about you. Let's capture that twinkle in your eye and share your passions online. Your dream clients are just one scroll away from finding you. Let's connect with them. Find more details at kianamarie.com slash connect. I can't wait to see you shine online. Now let's get this party started. If there's ever a time when you feel like something is missing from your industry, you wish something existed to help your business grow or there was a safe space to ask questions. This episode will share a ton of encouragement and inspiration to not just accept an invitation to grab a seat at the table of business peers, but to build your own table. Many thanks to my photography bestie, Amanda Rose of AGS Photo Art for introducing me to today's guest of honor. I've had the privilege of being a guest twice on the Build and Bloom podcast hosted by Jessica Whitaker. Today's connection call with Jessica will leave you feeling inspired with action steps to help fuel your dream career and make your wildest daydreams become your reality. Jessica Whitaker started teaching digital photography on YouTube in 2016 and is one of the first women to fill the gap of more representation of female photographers, business, and film educators on YouTube. With a large following and growing community, Jessica also runs a nonprofit photography community called Build and Bloom, offering education and encouragement for photographers of all ages, fostering local communities of artists. Jessica is a trailblazer, paving the path for photographers and artists to not only take better photos, but to help empower them to take control of their future. I love Jessica's ability to share tangible business advice that ignites action with clarity. I'm beyond grateful for this connection call to hear more about social media strategies, creating boundaries with life and business, moving the needle forward without spinning your wheels, and the power of growing your own community. With a warm welcome, I'm proud to introduce you to Jessica Whitaker. Welcome to Kiana Marie Weekly, a podcast for creatives who love to celebrate wins, big or small, by dancing in the kitchen, photographers who are excited to serve their clients, and friends who are ready to chase really, really big dreams. You can find all of the resources mentioned in this episode at kianamarie.com slash podcast. Join me as I share weekly motivation, chat about growing pains, finding genuine connections, and celebrating your wins through the lens of a photographer at heart. Come join me for a dance party. Ready? Let's go. All right, all right. Welcome to the party, Jessica. I'm so, so thankful you could be here today. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my goodness. Yes, girl. Well, you inspire me daily. And I'm so, so thankful that Amanda Rose connected us so long ago. And I've had the opportunity to be on your podcast. And now I finally get to have you jump on mine. It's going to be so much fun. 
I'm so excited. Yes. Thank you. Well, let's dive into these questions because we have some juicy ones for you today. You are very well established and you have so much going on and I just want to get to the questions. (laughs) Perfect. Let's do it. Yes. So please tell us, Jessica, how are photographers and entrepreneurs wasting their time on their phones? So when it comes to wasting time on your phone, I feel like most of it revolves around social media usage. And whether that's you get on Instagram with the intention to post, but you don't have anything queued up. I know that you teach all about how to organize and plan out your content, but you go on there with the intention to post, but you end up just continuously scrolling for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And when you have all these other photographers that you're following, which is great to support your community, right? But for some of us, it can feel like you're comparing yourself against other people's work. If they're posting that they just got a new mirrorless camera, you're posting, you're comparing yourself about their equipment or maybe even where they're at financially. You're seeing their editing cues and you're seeing them out shooting weddings every weekend. And it can just feel very discouraging. And so instead of getting on Instagram with the intention, like it was kind of created originally for inspiration and community, it's having that opposite effect on you. And I know that's true for so many users, but especially for photographers. The same can go for any social media app that you have on your phone, TikTok, or even if it's Twitter or Pinterest, these apps that we don't really use on the mobile phone, but we still pull up and we scroll through, even if it's procrastination from other responsibilities in life, there are so many hours that we are wasting and it all kind of falls into the comparison trap. Oh yeah, I can totally relate to that. And I actually used to call that photography la-la land where I feel like at one point I was scrolling next to my best friend and you know, on her feed is all these cute dog videos and all these cute things about fashion and um, really fun travel videos. And then you look at my feed and it's all weddings and portraits and which of course, like we get sucked up into the algorithm of what we're looking for, but that can easily just be a time sucker instead of actually make your business move forward and create that engagement. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. So please tell us what advice or tips or systems do you have in place to help yourself create those boundaries? So we don't just waste our time scrolling and we can start producing instead of just scrolling. So there's a few different tiers you could go at different levels, depending on how extreme you want to go. And I think you should start at the very, very easiest to entry instead of jumping to an extreme. So I recommend to mute Instagram accounts, whether that's stories and posts or just posts or just stories, I would mute both. And then when you get on Instagram, you don't have to view every single person, but I would recommend if you have the time, maybe when you're watching TV for the next seven nights, go on for like 10 minutes and start muting so that then when you're on the app, you are less likely to get distracted in that way of infinite scrolling. And what I would do is I would go onto my own profile and click the following so I can see everybody that I'm following. And when I want to intentionally spend the time to catch up or to engage, because that's important for a business is to interact with the accounts that we're following. And so then I'm able to do that more intentionally. And it's less likely that I'm going to spend an hour or so scrolling and comparing. That's kind of the easiest way to do it. 
The other uh, suggestion I would also have in addition to that is uh, deleting the apps that you can easily use on desktop on your computer. So Twitter is a good example. Pinterest is probably the best one. I don't know how many people who use Pinterest for business who open it on the phone and actually are pinning things for fun, for leisure. So any app that you can use on the desktop, remove. Facebook's also a good example too. And with that, if you want to even remove Instagram without deleting the app totally, you can actually go into your settings. And I believe on iPhone, it's under Siri. And you can have toggle each individual app to actually be hidden from your home screen and hidden from search. So in order for you to actually go on Instagram, it's you're jumping through multiple hoops where you actually have to go to the app store, type in Instagram, and then it will let you open the app. So if you are somebody who kind of has that habit of you see it on your home screen, you pop in, or it's in that suggested app when you when you tug down and you pull up the search bar on your phone, um, that's another way to be able to kind of eliminate usage a little bit. And then the more extreme would be to delete Instagram when it's not your office hours. And this would only really work for people who have the ability, Who I would say even full-time photographers. When I was working in an office and I was working in a warehouse, I was doing two jobs and I was in college I basically would fit in my social media like posting when I would be on my bathroom break at work. So that wouldn't work for me back in when I had a traditional job. But now since I am self-employed, I have that freedom to actually have nine to five or I mean, okay, (laughs) ideally nine to five for so many of us, it's more like 10 or 11 hours. But the idea is that I can have more freedom in choosing when to post. So I could not be on Instagram in the morning and not be on Instagram at night when I close my computer. And then the more extreme version, and this is something that I recently adopted, was I actually got a second phone for work. And it wasn't as expensive as I thought it would be. It was $10 additional to my phone plan. And with this phone, I'm able to have a separate Apple ID. So I can even use that for clients. If I was somebody who was open to clients texting with me, I could have that phone number as your business number. And then you can also have all of your social media apps on the phone. So that phone can live at your desk, but doesn't come with you when you go and hang out with your friends, when you go on a date, or even when you're running errands. That's it. A little bit, that's more of the extreme, but I was surprised at how affordable it was. Now, granted, I already owned the phone. It's an older iPhone. Now I know with a lot of carriers, you basically are renting your iPhones, but it's something to consider, or even if you're open to a different type of phone to buy or something. But those are the three different tiers. (laughs) And I think it's best to start at the very first one, which would just be muting the accounts. Yes. Well, I feel like you dropped so many words of wisdom here. And I definitely want to kind of revisit the fact that you are being really intentional about your social media. And one thing that like I'm already going to start doing right away is actually going back into my Instagram and going to my following and Mm -hmm. like seeking people that I want to see and that I want to engage with. I don't know why I feel like that's mind blowing information, Jessica, (laughs) but it's true because I feel like, I feel like sometimes we are just kind of caught in that rabbit hole of just scrolling. Mm -hmm. Like I know reels are so fun. They're eye candy and they're funny, but like how much more intentional and how much like 
better use of your time would it be if you can actually just go to someone that you love, a friend, mm-hmm. a fellow photographer, you know, family member, and go through their reels that they've just posted and like and laugh at those, right? Instead of yeah. just like being at the whim of the algorithm. I love they are being really intentional about that. Thank you. And you know, I found for me, yes, I get addicted to reels once I'm on the real page, but I find most of my time is spent going onto stories because that's really that continual, mm-hmm. uh, hole to the rabbit hole. But with, um, when I go over to my following, sometimes I don't even click into the profile. I'm more looking at who actually has a ring around their profile photo. So who has posted a a story and that's the best way for me to be able to engage because then it's way more efficient and I kind of get tired after like 10 minutes of it, but it was 10 minutes spent engaging. And so I think that's like, that's one of the easiest ways to begin. And I know it also, if somebody's scared of like, oh, muting, like what, that sounds so mean. Well, nobody knows that you're muting and you're not muting because you're consciously, you might be subconsciously jealous, right? But like you're muting for your own um, efficiency and also for your mental health as well. But more so that when you're on the app, you can use it like a business tool rather than for personal use. Yeah, I love that. Well, now that we are all going to be really strategic about getting those apps either off of our phone, I love how you mentioned the tears. Like you could take a baby step or you could just jump in like head first, right? And so I love that you're giving us those options. So now that we have maybe taken some apps off of our phone and we're being very strategic about only tapping into them during office hours, or even like you suggested, just get a whole new phone, like just get a whole new system. I love that. So please share with us, what would be your advice is like, now that we are, you know, not walking around with social media, like in the palm of our hand, what would you suggest business owners prioritize first to start making profits? This is the answer that nobody wants to hear because it's very boring, but your website your website, optimizing it for SEO. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. It's how Google ranks your website. So for example, if you search Seattle photographer right now on Google, the first page, those websites have been ranked by Google. And it's because of all of the work they put into the back end of their site. So there's lots of different ways you can use SEO. It's like endless as well. But I think the best way to begin would be on your platform, Squarespace, for example, you can actually do little SEO tweaks on each page. You can add additional information. It's like a its own separate pop-up window, but also through blogging as well. So all of your sessions, uh, you should be blogging them, in my opinion, where you have what state you're based in, what city you're based in, or where the session took place, and a beautiful gallery of images. There's lots of amazing tools out there now that also can help you blog the images faster than just individually dragging them into the website platform. I like narrative, um, and then it will upload everything as individual files, the code, instead of a, a big collage, so people can still use it for Pinterest. I actually recently did a website review video. I try to do it about once a year on my YouTube. And I noticed a lot of people who submitted their websites for reviews didn't have any blogs. They just had separate gallery pages that would either be a carousel or a big collage. And that's really inefficient because you're not, you're not doing Google any favors. So there's tons of free resources on 
optimizing your site for SEO. I have a lot of just website videos available on my YouTube channel. And even though it's not as glamorous, if you just took the time that you are spending on Instagram doing doom scrolling and put that into the website, then it's kind of done. You do have to update your site every now and again and like tweak it. And as new features come out and new tools, especially with AI, but it's kind of one and done. And then you can focus on the fun stuff like Instagram and TikTok and building a strategy for that a little bit later on. And you still definitely need to be posting to Instagram for consistency, but eliminating the additional hours you're spending comparing yourself against other people. Yeah. Oh no, I love that so much. And I feel like, I feel like that's something that people have so many different opinions about, right? They're like, oh no, like you should jump on social media right away. Oh no, you definitely need to get the SEO and the back end of your website done. But I love how you actually explain that, right? So it's not just highlighting and showcasing your work, but it's for me, the best way to describe SEO is like creating almost like little spider webs, right? Like little pieces, yeah. and little like connections that are just on the world wide web, literally a web guys, like picture a spider web <laughs> <laughs> and like, you're just a piece of it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, what's going to help, um, either people that are actively searching for the type of photography or the city or the state and location that you're in. And that's how you're really going to get those organic looks. And then I feel like people then after they discovered you on Google, will then go onto social media and be like, okay, is this girl real? Like, you know, what, what yeah. is she, what is, what are, you know, him or her, like, what do they sound like? Um, you know, are they really that legit? And gosh, they're charging a lot. Let me look at their Instagram and see what's going on. Right. Like that's yeah, it's, it's yeah. full circle. We need it all. Yes. You definitely need it all. It's just about, okay, how much time are you really spending on Instagram using the app and how much time are you scrolling and distribute that time into real estate that you own, which would be your website. And social media, amazing tool, but it's rented. So we have to be able to, we want to use both, but you really do want to focus on building your house first, right? Yes. Oh, I love that analogy. Oh my gosh. Well, Jessica, you clearly are already just like schooling us over here. You're sharing so much information, (laughs) so many words of wisdom. And one thing that I really, really admire you among the many things about you is your your heart and your hustle for community. And you have truly built very, very large audiences and just incredible communities, whether it's your Build and Bloom Facebook group for photographers and entrepreneurs, as well as your thriving podcast. And I just would love to know, what decisions did you make early on to help grow such a large audience? Okay, thank you so much. (laughs) So uh, the first decision I made was differentiating uh, my build and bloom Facebook group and community from all the other groups at the time. I believe build and bloom came out in 2016. I think it's been so long. I think 2016, I was still in college. And so I was probably 20 or 21 at the time. And I was a part of other Facebook groups that were like all boomers who were super rude kind of thing. Like they were not welcoming of younger beginner photographers. It was more of that traditional older man landscape photographer which is amazing but we don't With have to be bully about it <laughs> yeah. yeah so um there wasn't really and, and that was it like and then you had a bunch of people who were more like hipsters and like too cool for school in that community because that was also what it only thing that was available it just kind of became this breeding ground and of just super weird pretentious 
a lot of men too. And so just not beginner friendly, not female friendly and not friendly to be like silly. So sometimes I would troll in the groups too. And I would post and I would have like my photo because at the time you'd post one photo and, you know, share your settings. And so I'd post my photo, but I would like type in all caps because I knew their reaction would be like, why are you typing in all caps about getting the engagement, you know? So I would love to troll in the groups. And so I started my own community that was just going to be the polar opposite, like younger, beginner photographers, more female focused um, and silly. And so at the time, Facebook Live had also just come out. And so I would do Facebook Lives where I would be in my face mask in my childhood bedroom with like my buddy and my dog. And I would just do, I would be myself and it would be the opposite of these very traditional kind of old school groups. So with that, I, it just it started to grow rapidly because it was also the only thing available uh, at the time. And now it's cool to see how, you know, more people are creating communities for different levels and it's evolved so much. But at the time that was really it. I had my YouTube channel at the time. So I would always like tell people at the beginning or the end of the video, almost like a little ad read to go check out the Facebook group and not just say, join my Facebook group, but explain the benefits of joining. So if you want to be a part of a kind, inclusive community, check out the Build and Bloom Facebook group. I would be really intentional about my wording. So I would not say like my Facebook group, I would say the Facebook group um, and give examples. So kind of same thing if I teach... I started to teach some people how to do YouTube for uh, photographers. And one of the things is like, if you're asking somebody to subscribe, subscribe to your channel, which is essentially like following on Instagram, instead of saying subscribe to my channel, it would help me a lot. I always hear YouTubers say that. And it's so bad because it doesn't give anyone incentive. So instead, I would say be sure to hit subscribe so you're the first to know when new free videos for your business come out. So it's all about changing the wording. And so bringing it back to the community aspect, when you have all of your copy, which is like the wording on your website or your script or, or in the YouTube video, how I'm saying the benefits to you rather than this is my community, join my Facebook group, your, all these little details can help grow your platform, or also if you're trying to grow a community as well. So that's how I started. That's why I started the Facebook group and how, and then how I just started to build it in the very beginning. And still to this day is on all my YouTube videos, I'll have people, um, that'll be one of the calls to action. Yeah, that's beautiful. And you're right. It is just a tweak of the phrase, right? It's just mm -hmm. a reframing to make it about the user or the student or the other photographer to really gain that access and that knowledge that they're looking for, right? Like people yeah. are looking for you. And I love, it just makes my heart so happy that you found a need. You were like looking around all over Facebook and you couldn't find any other groups that were welcoming and inclusive. And the fact that you decided I'm going to start something new because I need this, right? Like I need this and I know that others are going to need this too is so powerful. I feel like, you know, there's so many things around us where we're like, gosh, if it was just done a little bit differently, I, yeah. think, I think this would help someone. And so I'm just so proud that you took that leap of faith and it's thriving. Like the fact that you are growing this large audience is just so admirable. That's awesome. Thank you. So many of us are shifting, pivoting, and learning daily. We're juggling all these different ideas and all these fun things. What has been your experience with adding education and mentoring to your photography business? 
Oh, that's a good question. So in 2017, I went full-time in my photography business and I had been doing it ever since middle school. Like a lot of people my age, if you're a Gen Z, you probably also grew up like doing photo shoots with your friends and stuff, uh, posting it to Facebook or Instagram just for fun. And so I went full-time in 2017 and that took me about a year or a year and a half of planning to be able to make that move. And I had my YouTube channel since I can't even remember 2013, probably uh, 2014 or so. So I had already been creating photography content on YouTube, but when I went full time in my business, I was offering like mentoring sessions, but not just for photography. It more revolved around social media management. Uh, brands would come and they would do like, I would almost call it consulting over like mentoring because it would just be one or two calls. And I would teach them how to use Instagram and at the time the platform was very different and almost like the cheat codes for like okay this is how you should be posting you know now there's so many resources and stuff but I was like self-learning all these different things so I was doing these consultation calls also for photographers yes but it was this big mix of business owners and social media and photographers and then it just kind of evolved and um, a lot of people would see that oh I moved from Seattle to New York City and I have clients in New York. I want, you know, New York is a very aspirational place for a lot of people. And so it's kind of like, how can I do that? Because uh, I had already like the proof was already in the pudding, you know? And so I just started taking in that same format with my consultation calls. I I, I feel like I started taking the photography consult calls before that, because I can remember being in my childhood bedroom and like doing the calls, but <laughs> I just always had it available because I was doing the consult stuff. So it has always naturally evolved for me and have has always kind of been there. It's hard for me to pinpoint exactly when I started doing like one-on-one -on -one education, but I just utilized my YouTube um, to start teaching. And then, you know, people want to learn more and they want to like pick your brain. And so then it's like, okay, mentoring is the spot for that. I love that. Well, I feel like you just walked right into the next question where I was curious. So like with your YouTube and with your consulting, how are you monetizing that? Is that something that right now you're just focusing on your own photography and your own coaching programs? Like, please share more about how you started monetizing with YouTube. And as your business is growing and all your audience is getting there, you know, is that something that you were able to actually add to your bottom line? So when COVID happened, I had to compensate for all that income that I was losing from photography clients. And so I started like amping up more of the mentoring by doing group classes. So I did this one program called Business Basics. And it was basically like all of the boring, like how to start a business bank account, uh, how to find an accountant, all these things that maybe some photographers have put off. And now we have the time to do that now that our photo shoots are canceled, right? So that's one example. And then with YouTube, you know, I'll have sponsors for videos as well. And then that'll be like a 60 second or 90 second ad read and the sponsor will pay to have that. But also through like affiliate links, I don't make too much through affiliate links, but you can have affiliate links. But then the best way I think is to just funnel them into your email list because then your email list can become your photography clients, but they also, if you want to pursue photography education, they can become your photography education clients. But for me, I really prioritize like the email list would be 
photography clients. So that's a way I'm able to monetize my YouTube where even if it the bulk is it from the YouTube video itself, and my views are pretty low, honestly, like they used to be much higher. And now they're pretty low. But I think it's just the content I make, like I'm pretty repetitive, because I know it works, but I'm, I'm not very explorative. And that's something I should do. But anyways, so on my video, for example, in the upper corner, I'll have a little watermark almost that says a URL. So it's like jessicawhitaker.co slash free gift. And that would go into my website that has two calls to action on that page. One's like a budget spreadsheet download, one's a preset. And then I honestly should also have another one there that's for photography clients, but my website pretty directs them clients that they want to. But anyways, that's one example of being able to funnel people. But then another is by saying in the video, join the Facebook group, because on the Facebook group, in order to join, you have to put your email address. So it's all about kind of looking at your content from how can I have a call to action? in here where I'm I'm bringing value by the topic of speaking on, but also there needs to be a next step because if you're just posting a video and you have the intention to use it to grow your email list um, for your business, then you have to have a call to action. Otherwise, it's it could be the best content and it could perform amazing. You could get 100,000 views. You could get a million views. But if there's nowhere for them to go, then that's all it is. Whereas even if a video of mine only gets 1200 views, I'm able to convert that actually into a pretty high, uh, like rate for my email list for my free resources. Yeah. And I feel like that's the missing link for a lot of us. I think there's this kind of vanity metrics goal where we just think, Oh, we just need more Mm -hmm. followers. We need more likes. We need more views. And, and I know even with me personally too, with all my behind the scene videos and things, it's like sometimes with the algorithms, it's tough out there. Like it's really hard. And it really doesn't matter as long as you have that call to action or people are, are, you know, like, they're sticking to you, right? Like they want to hang around because they know that that one piece of content was very valuable. They can't wait for what's next. So that's awesome. A hundred percent. Yeah. It can be discouraging if you look at the numbers, but like you at the numbers of like the vanity metrics, but you really have to look at like your system. And at first, if your system's working, then you're totally good, but it can be discouraging to see like, oh my gosh, this video only got 1200 views. But if it converted really well, that's all that really matters. Yes. Oh, I love this so much, Jessica. Thank you. Oh, can I just say one thing too? It kind of goes back to on your podcast with me or when you were on, okay, you've been on a couple Building Bloom podcasts and one of them, you were talking about how stop worrying about going viral on the whole internet internationally, because if you're a local wedding photographer, you just want to go viral in your town, in your city, or in the cities you want to book in, because most of the people who are watching the viral video may never book you. So that's like a super low, that's like a 0% conversion rate, right? <laughs> but even if one person or a couple people book you from a handful of reels that you did, that's so successful. So I, I have to remind myself still of that when you gave that example on my podcast, because I even get discouraged and like, so down about it. And I, sometimes I'll feel even like pathetic, like, oh my gosh, I'm so dumb. Like, you know, my videos only get a thousand views, whatever from the outside. But then yeah. you have to look on the back end and be like, oh, this is actually converting really well. And I don't have to have a million views on a video in order to have a successful business. And I think that's where also a lot of people get discouraged too. And they want to quit or they quit like three videos in or something. Oh yeah. No, I'm so happy you mentioned that because it's so true. It is more profitable 
to go viral locally, right? Like that's like my favorite thing is like, it doesn't have to go across the world. You don't need people booking you across the country, across the world. Like I even know, especially as, as a photographer here, like sometimes you only want to work at like three or four venues. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Or maybe yeah. you're, you have your favorite spots for mini sessions and like, you know where to park, you know where the bathrooms are. Like you have a system down and the more viral you get, the more like, globally battle you get like people are going to ask you to go all over <laughs> yeah and for some people they want to do that but for others it might not even you maybe you want to but it doesn't end up working out or there's just some there's so much wisdom to when you said like don't focus on going viral focus on going like being known locally Yes. I love that. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I love asking every guest on Keanu Murray Weekly um in closing what is your best key tip? What is something that you wish you knew sooner? What I wish I knew sooner was starting an email list. And I started mine in 20 summer, 2018. I went full-time in 2017, like in September. So it had almost been, it had been like a full year. And I remember I had listened to a podcast or two from Amy Porterfield. And I don't listen to any business podcast anymore. Cause it just overwhelms me, honestly, <laughs> but I do love, if I am going to listen, I'm going to listen to hers. Cause she was talking about starting an email list. And I feel like now it's more prevalent, um, a few years later, but starting an email list is really powerful because that's how people are actually going to almost guarantee to see your posts essentially. Whereas on Instagram, it's up to the algorithm. It's up to if they have social media boundaries and maybe they have you muted <laughs> and they aren't going to see your post always. But if you send an email and you're doing it the right way, almost guarantee that they're going to see your email. They're going to see your email. If they open it, that's another thing, right? Yeah. But yeah. that's the most powerful way for me to be able to book clients as well whether it's for, I, I mean, I'm just speaking for photography clients, but also for like mentoring sessions or whatever it might be. Um, and so the sooner you can start it, the better. And it's best to just start with a really simple opt-in. And so create like a little free, I mean, there's so many, re I'm sure you have podcast episodes on it. Um, there's so many resources, but create a really simple freebie and then have that on your Instagram, have it on your website. And that's going to be the best way to connect with clients, honestly, like new and old, because again, like I mean, everybody uses this illustration, but Instagram and TikTok, that's all like rented. It's not our own and that's great. But with our website and our email list, we actually own that. And that's like our data um, to be able to use for a business. And so, and make sure that it gets in front of people. So even though, again, it's like, I'm giving you guys the most boring things to do, like your website <laughs> and your email list. But once it's done, it's done. Like once you have that freebie created, it's done. And I still have been using, I mean, some people may be like, it's a little outdated, but I still have that preset. I made a free preset for a freebie because I also wanted to make one that would like guarantee people were going to be interested in. So I made a free preset and um, it's still like, that was from 2018. So it's several years old and you know, who knows if it really works with a new update of Lightroom, but they can always <laughs> tweak it. <laughs> but it's still like, that's how I, I mean, I was able to grow my list by like thousands. I, I had to push it hard on Instagram, but I didn't have that many Instagram followers too. Mm -hmm. So you just have to create some. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. 
start your email list, create something simple for the call to action. And going back to when we were talking about how to word stuff, you know, on your email pop-up box on your website, don't just use their standard copy that they have, like subscribe to my email list to receive updates. Like nobody wants to subscribe to receive updates, but they will want what's inside. So have the copy reflect what's actually inside, what the value that they're getting for exchanging their email. So again, very boring, but I mean, it worked for me. So it works for almost all entrepreneurs. So, so definitely email list. No, I love that, Jessica. And I love how with your podcast, Build and Bloom and all of your stuff with Build and Bloom, I feel like that is like the best analogy for me too with the greenhouse. And just like, these are things that I feel like we're, as a business, we're actually digging in the dirt, right? Like we're planting these seeds. Yeah. It's messy, it's muddy. But guess what? Once it's done, it's it just grows. Like it just blooms and it amplifies and all those good things. And uh, and it's true. Like it's just, it needs to get done to see that growth of an opportunity. And you can even now hire someone to do it for you. Like you can have an amazing virtual assistant and have be like, okay, I don't know how to set up my email funnel, but they do. And, you know, maybe it's like $300 a month for 10 hours of them setting everything up. So that's another thing where it's like at the beginning of your business, we're always pushed to, you know, where we think like, okay, we have to buy this new camera and this new lens, or I should get, I should join this mastermind that ends up being a scam or like I should do this and this instead if you can kind of delegate and be like, okay, I could spend three, I could either spend like $4,000 on this whole new camera system that I don't actually need. And I don't need right now to improve the quality of my images or how fast I can take photos instead $300 a month for like four months or something to have a virtual assistant, be able to optimize the backend. Cause maybe for you that the thing is that stopping you is time from starting an email list, or you just don't know how to start and like researching it is just going to also take too much time and overwhelming. So that's a great way also to just use your resources. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I love the way, cause I, I love analogies too. It's like, wait a second, where are you putting your time? Like you don't need that new lens sister. Like you yeah. have something that works. The best camera is the one that's in your hands. And how are you going to move the needle? And I love how you shared that. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, how can people be your BFF? Like, how can we find you? How can we follow you? Please tell us more about you, Jess. So I would love you guys to join the Build and Bloom Facebook group. You can search it on Facebook. It's just Build and Bloom. And that's where you can share questions about your specific business. So maybe you need help drafting a response to a, a difficult client situation, or you want to have a free, you want extra eyes on a freebie that you want to share. Build and Bloom is perfect. And then if you want free photography tutorials and videos, I have my YouTube channel, which is just Jessica Whitaker. And then also the Build and Bloom Photography Podcast. And that's where you have, see, you will see Kiana on a couple yes. of times and some amazing lessons there from her too. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and all your wisdom. You all, you have to go stalk Jessica. Okay. So check out Jessica, all of her Build and Bloom opportunities. And I'm just so thankful to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Kiana. Thank you. <laughs> have a great day, babe. Thank you. Your Jessica is out there, babe. She's recording YouTube videos, traveling the globe to host workshops, starting nonprofits, reading a book in a trendy coffee shop in Seattle, walking the aisles in vintage thrift stores, or dancing in the streets of New York City. She's out and about chasing her dreams and waiting for you to join the adventure.
I know that your time and energy are important, and I'm grateful to share these connection calls with you. I go to great lengths to ensure we're keeping these conversations educational and impactful without all the fluff. Make sure to follow along with Jessica for more photography education and business help. It would mean the world to me if you could please share a review on Apple Podcasts or simply screenshot this episode and share it on social media. If you received any light bulb moments or any hidden gems in this episode, I'm sure others will want to hear more too. Please share with your business bestie. As always, I love to say business is business, babe. Making connections, learning from other industries, and surrounding yourself with ambitious souls make us all glow up. Make sure to check out The Greenhouse in the show notes to shop the latest templates, guides, mini courses, and free workshops to help your business bloom. I'm cheering for you, babe. I literally am your biggest fan and only want to see you succeed. So thanks so much for listening. I hope you have an incredible day. Keep on dancing, baby. Love you. That's a wrap on another episode of Kiana Marie Weekly. Thank you so much for your listenership and support. You can find the resources and show notes for this episode and more at kianamarie.com slash podcast. I'd be honored if you'd show your support by leaving a review and rating on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, keep on dancing.